Hi, and welcome to The Great Awakening. It's an exciting time. These are exciting times. There are no two ways about it. One way or another, everybody's a little bit on edge. For whatever the reason, whether it be the fear of the unknown, whether it be the pain of loss, or perhaps the excitement of new frontiers. Everyone's waking up. The world is not the same anymore. When waking from a trance, it takes a jolt, a shock. Trance is our comfortable operating baseline. It's our norm. And so you could say that day by day, we slip into a trance, a hypnotic trance. We do what's comfortable. When we fall into habit and ritual, when we fall into a routine, we are falling into a mental brainwave state of trance. So we're using that word, we're gonna get familiar with that word. There's a lot of taboo around hypnosis, trance. People are very fearful of it, and rightly so. It's a very dangerous thing. To become entranced, we become blinded to other realities. We become fixated and focused on a very narrow and limiting view of things. Outward expansion, thinking in new ways, meeting new people, going to new places, breaks the trance, and the first response of the body is excitement, agitation. Your adrenals kick on. The body's trying to decide if this is dangerous or if this is fun. And so welcome to the Great Awakening. Let the trance be broken. Let the spells be lifted. And let's start looking at things with a fresh pair of eyes. But how to do that? How do we do that? Yes, it's a different time. But what does that mean? For everyone, it means something different. For me personally, it means that people are finally starting to wise up to some of the things that have been going on behind the scenes for a long, long time. They're being exposed to information that has been hidden in plain sight. They just weren't looking for it. It's a time to start asking questions. I don't think it's a time to start jumping to conclusions or pretending that we already have the answers. It's a fool's errand jumping to conclusions and filling in these 
big, big questions with answers that we have sort of at the ready. You should begin looking into things. You really should. And don't stop there. Keep looking. Look all around. Look for differing opinions. They say that life will never be the same. Well, isn't that always true to some degree? Well, yes, but now more than ever, life will never be the same. We can never go back. But if you pay attention to history, there seems to be a repeating pattern in history, a struggle. Always a struggle between freedom and safety, or between the controllers and the ones who are oppressed. Now, if you think of yourself as the oppressed, then you have a right to be angry. But be careful what you do with that anger. I suggest you use it to propel you forward. Instead of pointing your fingers at someone else, instead of replying and hate to any message you don't agree with, why not look inward? We should be angry. We should be angry with ourselves. Why didn't we see this before? How could I not have known? When we wake up to certain realities, those are the questions we should ask. How could I have been so blind to what's been going on in front of us this whole time? Well, it's easy. You were in a trance. So start there. Start understanding the human mind a little bit more. Things are not as simple as you think. Learn about hypnotism. Why is it that any trained hypnotist can get people to act like fools on stage and then they have no recollection of it? They can get people to do impossible things. They can perform feats that defy logic. And yet, these are reserved for a Las Vegas entertainment show. You have to pay to get a ticket to even see this. And then the mind starts to doubt and say, ah, I think it was all an act. I don't think that could happen. You're in a trance. And until you realize that, you will always be in a trance. Trance is denial of 99.999% of reality. That's what it is. It's a big blind spot. The premier hypnotists of the last hundred years all demonstrated this in a variety of ways. They took a subject, i.e., a man or a woman or a child, any kind of normal person, 
And through a few simple tools and techniques, they had these people slip into a different stream of consciousness to behave completely out of character. And most of the time, these people would have no recollection, zero recollection. And they would feel zero embarrassment at doing things that would embarrass any person. And yet when they came back to their normal stream of consciousness and they wondered why everyone was laughing, what did I do? It was like waking up from a dream. Look into it. Fascinating topic. Terrifying. If you're not scared of these ideas, well, perhaps you should at least respect them a little bit more. Because what we don't know can hurt us. What we don't see can exist. What we can't possibly conceive of could be right in front of and right around us all the time without us even knowing. And so the theme of today is pretty much waking up together, looking around, scratching our heads, and saying, what is going on? In most places that are developed, modernized, technologically impacted by internet, radio, television, etc., etc., the trance has grown very strong because the more people that are involved in the shared trance, the more gravity and weight it holds. We talk to so-and-so and they corroborate the story. We talk to our mother, our daughter, we talk to our sister, and they all say the same thing. And we say, yep, trance-induced, trance-cemented. And yet it often takes something horrible to wake us out of the trance. And that's unfortunate. Sometimes it takes something really great. But usually, if it's not shocking enough, it's kind of ignored. Brain waves or state of consciousness are largely directed by language, vocabulary, thought, but actions can also impact and trigger the mind. One of the primary questions we keep going back to in this podcast will be getting to know your mind a little bit more understanding the mystery and majesty of the human mind. Is it just a brain? Is it some kind of computer? How does it work? Interesting fact about the brain. It's very similar to the GI tract. In fact, there's a lot of doctors that talk about the body having two brains. They're referring to the brain in your head and the brain in your gut. It's like a system of tubes wound up 
like a rubber band ball, but more organized. And information is flowing through these tubes. In the case of the GI tract, the information is in the format of food, water, nutrients, toxins, etc. In the example of the one in the skull, electricity, light, and information are flowing through these tubes. And so what does that even mean? First off, we should get familiar with the concept and the word of convolution. When something is convoluted, it is long, serendipitous, folding back onto itself, continuing on and on and on like a very long river with many bends. Now, if we begin to think of the mind more like this, then things make more sense. The mind isn't a lens where we see all. The mind has many recesses, curves and corners where data, information, it tends to hide. If you're not familiar with the subconscious mind, you should begin to familiarize with this idea. You have the conscious mind, which is a very small aspect. And then you have the subconscious mind, which is vast, mysterious. When you're in trance, you're inhabiting a small corner of the mind, which we call waking consciousness. When you're talking to so-and-so at work, you're speaking with a fractal of that person's consciousness called a personality, a waking personality. And these personalities are predictable. They have preferences. They have habits and routines. But beneath that, is a subconscious mind that is vast and oftentimes unexplored. And so, if you wish it, I would encourage each and every one of you to begin to explore your subconscious mind. Explore the idea of it. And I'm not talking about a web search where you go to the first page, read it, get a definition, and call it done. That is too shallow of a search. And this represents what the conscious mind would do. The conscious mind would get a question and then try to fill in a quick answer so it can go on about its busy life and busy day. It would truly take hours and hours of learning from different perspectives to begin to even scratch the surface of the subconscious mind. You can't go to one perspective. You'd have to study from different avenues. And what I would recommend is you study the great hypnotists because they have created a practical use and exploration of the subconscious mind. And it is scary, just a warning. It is terrifying what they can get people to do. It's terrifying because the subject or the person being hypnotized 
loses their free will, so to speak. They become under the spell of the hypnotist. They become almost like a robot, ready to receive commands and then sort of act them out. Now, there are a lot of caveats to this. No two subjects are the same. The less you know about this, the more impressionable it seems to be. They say that the higher the intelligence of the person, the more they can be hypnotized. And so there's a lot of interesting things about this. And if it's true, this has massive implications about what the human mind is and getting to know your human mind. You may have a complete disconnect as to who you really are if you are simply portraying a fractal or a tiny repeating portion of your conscious mind. Now, I'm not pointing the finger at anyone, but I want you to examine yourself. Am I bound by habit? Do I love ritual and routine? Do I keep going to the same places for information? If so, you may be in a very dangerous trance. Am I fighting to defend perspectives? Am I encouraging others to accept my beliefs? These are dangerous things. And I'll put a little reminder in here that I don't wish to convince or convey to anyone that I know what I'm talking about. I'm simply putting some information out there that I've spent a great deal of time looking at, studying, practicing. And it severely impacted my life in unspeakable ways, ways that I can't convey. If I was to give examples, it wouldn't mean anything because these things are personal. And so really, I'd like to introduce you to the concept and allow you to explore what it means for you. And the concept of waking up is synonymous with breaking the trance. The concept of a trance is simply a limited fractional pattern of your true psychological prowess. And if you're keeping yourself in a really small, small, small space, you can only do and see and behave in very small ways. And small to many of us has become real and safe and predictability and routine are a comfort. However, the time we're stepping into with current, current events unfolding, with the world changing at a rapid rate, and with basically the comfortable rug being yanked out from everyone's feet. Things are not the same. So what are you going to do? Are you going to cower in fear? Are you going to listen to the same sources telling you the same thing? 
Or are you going to begin to question a little bit more and start looking in different places, start digging a little deeper for information, including media, including entertainment, but most importantly, your own mind and your own way of processing, your own way of reliving your memories. Hypnosis is a powerful tool. It can be a weapon. And it can also be a tool for liberating. Most people learn about this when they're young. They hear the old adage of the hypnotist convincing someone that they're a chicken and then the, the subject or the participant walks around on stage acting like a chicken and they're not embarrassed about it and they do it really convincingly and then with a snap of the fingers or whatever the hypnotist does they're back and they wake up and they're a little groggy and they don't remember mostly most people don't remember however I will tell you that like any skill working with your human mind working with the power of it you can begin to recall many different states and so there's a small a very small percentage of people who will recall who will not forget and that's a skill that must be developed if you want to be free that is if you want to be aware of what you're doing how many of you have ever known someone or seen someone sleepwalk same thing how many of you have ever been on the road driving at 60 miles an hour and then you sort of snap back to it and say, oh my gosh, what am I doing? How long have I been driving? Well, you slipped into an altered state of consciousness. How many of you have ever had a drink or two or three and then you seem to shift into a completely different gear where you're not afraid, you're not overthinking? Same thing. Anything we do, anything we put into our body, whether it be food or drug, any activity we partake in, it allows for the shifting of consciousness, the shifting in the operation of our human brain. If you're not curious about this, I'm surprised because when I started finding out about these things, I could not stop learning. I became obsessed. I became absolutely obsessed with these ideas. And these ideas were so foreign and so awe-inspiring that it seriously took me days and days of research and watching videos and following different hypnotists on their path reading books, learning about their careers. And I kind of did it in a suspended state of judgment, meaning I didn't judge it. I didn't say I believe it. I didn't say I don't believe it. I just witnessed it, recorded it, slept on it, and repeated this. Instead of, um, I don't know what other people were doing with their free time in their 20s, but I spent my free time sort of learning about this sort of thing and many other things. 
And so instead of plopping down on the couch and having a beer and turning on sports, which I've never watched sports, huge waste of time in my view, I decided to learn about the human mind. You want to talk about trance or inducing a trance. How many of you had a father that when he flipped on the TV, it's like you weren't there? Well, that's a pretty strong trance. When your favorite team comes on and then you begin to block out all else, even people in the room talking to you, and you just laser focus on that game, that is the definition of a trance. And it's not good, it's not bad, it just is. And we should understand it. Because if we don't understand it, then we will become the victim of circumstance. We will become the victim of leverage over us. Because people that do understand hypnosis, trance, you better believe that they are leveraging it. Any great salesman, whether they consciously realize these principles of hypnosis or not, they are practicing the stable and core values of a hypnotist. Many times a great salesman will build a rapport. They might touch your arm. They'll identify with you. They'll use eye contact. All of these things are used to deliver a capsule for you to accept their lines. They say a great salesman could sell ice to an Eskimo. Well, what does that phrase mean? It means that an Eskimo has plenty of ice. Their environment is composed of ice. But the great salesman will convince anyone of anything. Imagine that. I love pointing out common phrases that everyone heard. Because in my view, they are either so true that they're almost obscene, as in this case, a great salesman could sell ice to an Eskimo, or they're just really weird and you have to question why that's a phrase. They almost seem idiosyncrat. They, they seem like to have this idiosyncrasy sometimes. It's hard to say that word for me for some reason. So let's talk about the salesman, because this is like a nuts and bolts example. How many of you, when someone tries to sell something to you, you're like, nope, nope, I don't want to hear it, don't want to hear it. A lot of you, I imagine. Most salesmen get the door slammed in their face, and this is a defense mechanism. And it's a healthy one, honestly, because you know that you do not want to buy that item they're selling. And you know that if you develop a rapport, and if you look into their eyes, and if you hear their story, that you may actually buy it out of guilt, out of duty. And so we know that we're malleable. We know that our will can be bent. And so we kind of slam the door in their face. In fact, we do this all the time. In self-defense, 
is a state of trance. It is a state of being. It's a state of existing. And so if you have someone that's very defensive all the time, they will not be open to new information. They will not be open to new experiences. They will look at all of that stuff as a threat and they'll swat it away like a fly before it even has a chance to get close to them. Now, if you have someone that's, let's take a different example, someone who is like super impressionable, they're like a lump of clay and you put them out there in the world, man, they're in trouble because they'll be taken advantage of because they're gullible and believing. They'll most likely be absorbed into a, a Ponzi scheme or a cult or they'll become someone's servant without really knowing what they're doing. And these impressionable people are in a different state of consciousness than that of the defensive person. Now these are two extremes. Let's look at the two extremes. You have the old bitter person that has become so ritualized that they don't even wanna say hello to someone new. They get irritated at the slightest. In fact, they become enraged at the slightest inconvenience in their schedule. If the light turns green and the person does not immediately go in front of them, they're laying on the horn less than a second or two. Because in their world, green means go immediately. On the other hand, you have the very impressionable lamb, just this Plato character. And they're like a baby. They just believe everything. And they're gullible. And they oftentimes get victimized by those with an agenda. And so if you have these two polar extremes, polar opposites, let's come to the middle, in the middle range. And everyone is familiar with the term spectrum. And so trance or limited view is a spectrum. And our goal should be to become balanced. We should not let the world mold us without giving any resistance. And we should not be so inflexible that the slightest change in schedule upsets us because changes happen. The body ages, everything changes. The world progresses, everything changes. And so you're setting yourself up for disaster if you're too far to the left or too far to the right on this spectrum. And so we come into the middle and we begin to find our range where we can be effective. And if you're in this range, now you can have even more freedom because you can begin to explore this idea I'm talking about. How can I leverage my human mind so that I can not be duped and tricked and poisoned by society? And how can I not fall into the trap of rejecting new information? Because really, it's the same trap. 
It's thinking we know everything. The trap is believing that we see all, we know all, and that we've experienced it and we got a handle on it. If you're someone that says, I know, I know, whenever someone tells you, you got a problem. If you're someone that when someone's telling you their story, they can't wait to jump in and tell them your story that you're reminded of, you've got a problem because you're being reactive, you're being reflexive. It's a reflex. We should be able to listen to people without formulating a response immediately. And we should be able to consciously craft our listening with a filter in place so that we do not believe one word they say. But instead, we should have a deck outside of our building where this new information can be loaded. All this new information is loaded on the deck and we can unpack it and examine each item. And we should do so patiently and diligently. Otherwise, that information slips in our back door without us even knowing. And now we're crammed into our trance space with a bunch of stuff driving us, pushing us. Another example. How many of us have rejected our upbringing? You have two extremes on this case too. You have the person that emulates their parents and loves them and works at the family business and accepts completely everything their parents say. In fact, they become a mere image of their mother or their father or a, a blend of the two. And then on the other extreme, you have people that reject their parents wholeheartedly and everything about them. Again, you want to be somewhere in the middle on this. The problem is, is that when we were young and our parents raised us and they taught us and we emulated them, that became a part of us, whether we like it or not. And so the people that reject their parents, they're rejecting themselves. Really, any healthy adult will have to unpack some of these things and look at them piece by piece. And we don't have to judge our parents. In many cases, they were doing the best they could with the information that they had in the time period that they were raised in. And so I'm a big advocate of unpacking our programming, i.e. the early lessons that those that raised us implanted into our being. Because most likely that's not the true you. Most likely you have your own ideals that you formulated, but the trick is getting to know them, getting to see what's true with you. And then the next trick is how to convey that. And we'll talk a lot more about that in other upcoming sessions. We'll talk about communication. We'll talk a lot about how to convey truthfully and honestly 
the data that you have witnessed and now feel the need to convey to other people for whatever the reason may be communication is a valuable asset as is listening listening is a very very valuable asset to have as a skill set and you need filtration for your listening you need to be able to separate information you need to be able to classify information as essential or extra and you need to be able to leave it there without letting it implant into your reality and the only way to do that is to break your waking trance because trances are blinding they're blinding to reality so I've gone in a few circles here and that was to tie up loose ends and create a picture it's only a picture it is not reality any lesson or any proposal or presentation is merely an abstraction of the truth. Think of that. That means that every single thing that we watch, every single thing that we listen to, every teacher that taught us in school, they were merely abstracting the truth and conveying it to the best of their abilities with the tools that they had. They were merely reading from the textbook and writing on the chalkboard. That doesn't make it so. That is an abstraction of an abstraction. They read from a book, which is an abstraction, and then they wrote it on the chalkboard, another abstraction. And if you want to take it one level further, when you listen to it, you abstracted it again. And then when you conveyed it, when you took the test and wrote it down, that was the fourth level of abstraction in that small sequence. Meaning that from the textbook, assuming it was true, which any critical mind will know, that most likely that information was abstracted. And so from that textbook into your test was four degrees of abstraction. Now take that and examine it, and what does it mean? It's the telephone game throughout time. Things get distorted, things get changed, things get flavored by our opinions and perspectives. And so how could we possibly claim to know the truth? Especially operating within a very narrow frequency bandwidth of the conscious mind. And so, there is a remedy, there is a solution for this. But it takes training, it takes a lot of thinking, it takes re-examination, it takes independence, it also takes a process of learning and a process of unlearning. And so it's a multi-step process that most are simply not willing to make. I can't say that I blame them. Life is difficult, people are busy. People are just searching for comfort. 
searching for comfort. We are creatures of comfort, looking for comfort. But if you examine, if you study the life of a human, where does the pursuit of comfort land us? Look around. How many of us have aged well? Honestly, look at it. How many 60 and 70 and 80 year olds can you look at and say, yeah, they're, they're doing well. They're really happy. They're satisfied. They've come to terms with life. They're wise. Not many. Far and few between rise to the challenge of becoming an excellent elderly person. And this should be a testament to the difficulty of life and the shortcomings of the pursuit of comfort. Comfort, safety, these things we should be wary of. Whereas the pursuit of freedom, the building of our knowledge base, the difficult things in life, like hard work and perseverance, the hard things like non-judgment, like assimilating new information and putting it together in unique ways, the hard things in life like being creative, being of service to other, these things are worthwhile. They're worth doing. But the creature of comfort would rather sit down on the couch and spend an hour or two watching a sports game rather than putting on their shoes and going for a walk or a run or a bike ride or going and playing catch with their kid or whatever it may be. And that easy path, that comfortable call will always lead to the same place. Now there is a time to rest. I'm not saying there's not. There is a time to give yourself the comfort. We all need it. We all need rest. We all need to zone out sometimes. All I'm saying is be aware of what you're doing. Be aware of how often you're doing it. Be aware of these habits and patterns because they will shape your life. It's the little things that add up over time. So that's a lot of information. And we're just scratching the surface. We're just beginning. We're just getting started here because it goes a lot deeper. It gets a lot more interesting and complex.